Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk some Orioles. It is now August the 16th, 2023. The Orioles are 74 and 46 after getting blasted by the San Diego Padres 10 to 3 late on Tuesday night. The Orioles do, however, remain in first place, baby! They have a three game cushion as the Tampa Bay Rays also lost out on the West Coast. They were beaten by the San Francisco Giants. So the Orioles' magic number, if you feel the need to think about such things in the middle of August, is 39. That is 39 Orioles wins or Rays losses to clinch the division. However, I don't really want to think about Tuesday's game right up at the beginning. Let's think about something happier because the Orioles are continuing to get accolades, at least in some quarters, for their farm system. Just this week, the uh, MLB Pipeline outlet announced farm system rankings for midseason updates that account for draft picks, movement at the trade deadline, and adjustments for players based on how they've looked this season and whether that should uh, make any change to their prospect stock. And there's good news. The Orioles remain number one on this farm system ranking for the fifth straight time in the ranking. That is, every time they've updated their farm system ranking since the 2021 midseason update. So about this time two years ago, so preseason and midseason last year, and preseason and midseason this year, the Orioles have had the top farm system by this ranking. And as they made the update, 
MLB Pipeline wrote an article noting that its number one farm systems going back to 2015 when they started doing these rankings have often gone in on to win the World Series within four years of appearing at number one. Four teams that have been number one have won the World Series since that time. Chicago Cubs, Boston Red Sox, Los Angeles Dodgers, Atlanta Braves. Another couple have shown what I think you could fairly say is multi-year quality that with better luck could have uh, produced a championship in a couple of seasons. That was the Milwaukee Brewers and Tampa Bay Rays and a couple more that haven't shown as much. They did at least make the playoffs for a couple of seasons, but they haven't quite lived up to the hype. And that was the Chicago White Sox and the San Diego Padres, who the Orioles are playing right now, of course. So, you know, let's hope that the Orioles, of course, can follow on that World Series winning path. That would be the most fun. At a minimum, hopefully they can have multiple years of quality starting right now, you know, perennially being in the playoffs. And then once you get there, we'll see what happens. I think that is a reasonable hope, at least for the moment. And that's me saying that, but who knows? But, you know, if you're wondering why the Orioles farm system remains number one, Pipeline's uh, description of their own rankings say that the rankings are, quote, based on long-term major league value, including factors such as potential impact talent, depth, proximity to the big leagues, balance between pitchers and position players, and between ceilings and floors, end quote. So there you go. That is more than just the players who are in the top 100. Um, And I think the Orioles probably are scoring well on having potential impact talent, as Pipeline judges it. And by having that impact talent be close to the big leagues, I think probably they're doing pretty well on depth right now. I think there are a lot of prospects in the pile of maybe if one or two things go right, they will take a big step forward and... You know, that means one or two of those guys are going to need to do that, which hasn't happened yet. But I think it's good to have players with that potential. And so, you know, we'll see. The Orioles do, however, still tie for the lead with six prospects in MLB Pipeline's updated top 100. Jackson Holiday remains the number one overall prospect in all of baseball. Certainly seems to deserve that. At number 14 is Colton Kowser. Heston Kerstad is 25th. Kobe Mayo at number 28. Catching prospect Samuel Basayo jumps into the rankings at 50. And then rounding out the Orioles contingent is shortstop Joey Ortiz at number 54. So that is six guys in the top 54 and three guys in the top 25. That's pretty cool, right? Um, As far as I see it, there's one basic problem with that set of guys, and that is that two of those six guys have already appeared in MLB, and they haven't showed a whole lot in the short since they got in MLB. That is Kowser and Ortiz. And, you know, it's a bummer to think about, but it is always important to remember even top 100 prospects are going to end up with guys who just uh, aren't good enough to carve-out roles on good major league teams. It doesn't mean they're immune to it just because they were drafted by the Orioles under Mike Elias, who, although they do seem to be very smart, that doesn't mean they are completely immune to the basic 
attrition rate for all kinds of reasons among prospects, even top 100 prospects. And especially looking at Colton Kowser at number 14 on this list, that is a ranking where MLB pipeline is just way out on a limb relative to a lot of the other mainstream public rankings, because some of them don't even have Colton Kowser in their top 100 at all. And they didn't do that before the season because they were concerned over a, that he would have too much swing and miss to succeed at the big league level. And B that he might actually be destined for corner outfield spot rather than center field. And I think that a weakness of the MLB pipeline ranking, they've all got their own little blind spots and weaknesses, every one, which is why when I was talking about prospects, uh, I like to just do a composite, put it all together and see what comes out. But pipeline's weakness, I think, is they tend to have one recency bias and two high draft pick bias. So for a guy like Kowser, who had nearly a thousand OPS at AAA Norfolk this year, and also was a top five draft pick two years ago, I think that those kinds of things factor into pipeline, which keep in mind is the MLB owned outlet. They have, I think, a decent amount of independence. I don't think they just get directly told, okay, you have to do this, you have to do that. But their position being what it is, their job is to hype prospects. And it's worth keeping that in mind, more so even than um, other outlets that aren't directly affiliated with MLB. Like everybody that works in prospects, to some extent, you know, your bread is buttered by people getting excited about prospects. So I think that bias tugs at everybody in different ways, but I think those are the ways it shows up for pipeline. But anyway, Kowser, the thing is the concerns from the preseason for the people that were dropping off of his hype train, they were not dispelled by the 26 games that he had um, in major leagues so far, you know, and further on the high draft pick bias, I think Heston Kerstad's ranking probably also succumbs to this. Mind you, his season overall numbers are great. AAA Norfolk results for Kerstad. He's batting 320 with a 387 on base percentage, 547 slugging percentage. However, the home run rate has dropped off since getting promoted to AAA. He's got only eight home runs in 53 games for the AAA Norfolk after hitting 11 home runs in 46 games for the AA Bay Sox. His strikeout rate is up at AAA, although it is only 19.4%, which is absolutely okay if he was, even if that ticked up, let's say another 2 to 3% in uh, additive terms. That would still be okay at the major league level, I think. Now, he does have a comical batting average on balls in play of 373. So that could be an issue of very good luck that can't you can't count on or poor minor league defense that you can't count on carrying over into major leagues. Now, you know, I want Kerstad to make it. I want him to be a good player after all he's gone through. And more than just that, it would be a big help for the Orioles to have their number two overall draft pick be a, you know, key contributor to a run of sustained success. But, you know, again, just because we want this to be true, that doesn't make it true. So for him, we'll have to see how it shakes out. But still, even with those concerns, I mean, it is a positive, absolutely, that there is this kind of strength still showing in the Orioles farm system, even after all of Gunnar Henderson, 
Grayson Rodriguez and Jordan Westberg graduated out of prospect status and into the Major League Baseball. And with preseason top 100 prospects on this list, D.L. Hall and Connor Norby dropping off of the top 100. Hall, you know, oh gosh, I, I feel like I've said all there is to say about him, right? He's He's been on a journey this year, and it's not the kind of journey that fuels prospect hype. Maybe he'll still be able to contribute to the Orioles. I don't know. Um, Connor Norby, he's had three pretty good months in May, June, and July, but heavily getting dragged down by scuffling to begin the season in April, and he's having a tough August so far as well. So that's added up to an overall OPS at Norfolk for him of 809, which isn't bad. If you if he had an 809 OPS on the Baltimore Orioles right now, Connor Norby would actually have the second best OPS on the team. The only guy above that is Ryan O'Hearn, who's at an 847. Nobody else is over 800 right now on the Orioles, which, yes, that is a little bit of a problem, I think. Um, But as far as Norby, 809 OPS at Norfolk, not bad. However, there is a big gap between that number and the prospects who have gotten promoted and the ones who haven't but have had fans stumping for their promotion. Colton Kowser, as I said, he has a, had a 996 OPS for Norfolk. Joey Ortiz, 946 OPS. Jordan Westberg, 939. And Heston Kerstad, 934. So, I mean, that's a, that is a big gap between those numbers and Connor Norby at 809. It seems like for this year, if you really want to get the hype, get fans excited for you, get the front office to maybe promote you, you probably want to have had, uh, for whatever, you know, you want to be good enough relative to AAA to, to get a 900 or better OPS. And Norby is not in that category, so he's not on the top 100s anymore. The Orioles don't seem to be imminently about to promote him. I mean, nor should they. Their infield is doing okay, doing better than okay for some. So put all this together, and really for me, the important thing for the Orioles also is going to be finding a next wave of prospects after the current wave either graduates and does well or fizzles out. So, you know, the development of Samuel Basayo is a big plus. International pipeline is absolutely going to be needed for the Orioles to, I think, sustain success, either by getting these players to the big leagues themselves or by having depth that they can trade. And they're also going to need to keep finding good players once they are now making later first-round picks and continuing to do so with their second-round picks. For the first three years of Mike Elias' tenure, the second pick the Orioles made, the players were Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, Connor Norby. All of those guys had some prospect heat or a a whole lot in the case of Gunnar Henderson, who went on to be the number one overall prospect before getting promoted. Not bad. But can guys like Dylan Beavers or Mac Horvath end up following in those same footsteps? Can any later round guys step up and start doing, you know, get themselves into looking like they can help the Orioles. And also, will Mike Elias ever draft and develop a pitcher of note? I don't know. That's, I think, what's going to be important for the Orioles' farm system going forward. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our mailbag is empty today. If you have an Orioles opinion you'd like to get off your chest, a question for a future episode, or any feedback out the sh- about the show, you can email CamdenCastPod at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who's written in so far. So a bit less happy of a topic, last night's blowout loss to the Padres. Trade acquisition Jack Flaherty made his third start as an Oriole, and he got completely wrecked in large part, I think, for a lack of command. The first inning in particular saw him issue three walks and then give up a grand slam. So he's now made three starts as an Oriole. His first start was good. His second start was okay. And his third start was a disaster. And the particular problem with what happened on Tuesday is that the Orioles' six-man rotation means they've got a shorter bullpen. Flaherty was only able to go three innings while throwing 84 pitches. That led to uh, James McCann making his first career pitching appearance in the eighth inning of the blowout. It was scoreless. Good for him. The guys in the dugout seemed happy for them, even as the Orioles were getting blown out. But as far as the regular relievers... Nick Vespi had to cover two innings, and Shintaro Fujinami and Mike Bauman pitched an inning each. So there's no long man in the Orioles' bullpen. So it's going to be a question of how long that can last, I think. And, you know, that's going to depend on how often the Orioles' six starting pitchers right now have disaster starts like this. Hopefully not too many more. But Flaherty, you know, he fits the Mike Elias pattern over the last— nine months, 10 months, whatever, of getting pitchers whose recent performance is, at best, okay. Go back to the past offseason and consider the Orioles went and signed Kyle Gibson to kind of be the veteran whatever in the rotation, and Gibson was coming off a 2022 season with the Phillies where he had a 5.05 ERA, which, using the Park and League-adjusted stat ERA+, plus was an 80, 
which is to say Gibson was 20% worse than the average MLB pitcher last year. They traded for Cole Irvin, whose 3.98 ERA with the Oakland Athletics looked pretty good. But keep in mind, that was with his home park being the whatever they're calling the Coliseum that will soon be abandoned out in Oakland. So that was actually a 90 ERA+. plus which remember 100 is average. Anything below that is worse than average. Above that is better than average. So Irvin, 90 ERA plus. He was 10% below average uh, despite that 3.98 ERA. Shintaro Fujinami, they got earlier this season, a little bit before the trade deadline. He had an 8.56 ERA or 8.57 with the Athletics before the acquisition. And now you've got Jack Flaherty. He had a 4.43 ERA with the Cardinals, or a 97 ERA plus, so close to average if you squint, if you round up, but 3% below league average. And so, you know, what does Mike Elias have to show for all of these acquisitions? Well, Fujinami, as an Oriole, has a 4.76 ERA, and everybody else is worse. Um, Gibson and Irvin are within about 033 in ERA of that, and Flaherty, unfortunately, is over a seven after his recent disaster. Hopefully, of course, he can bounce back from that. So, yeah, I mean, Mike Elias, he's a smart guy. The people he's hired to work for him are smart, but, like, if they if they apply those smarts and use, themselves, uh, use that to convince themselves they can turn these mid-range at best moves into the top-end guys, I think they really need, and, you know, the results seem to show they really need uh, it's not as exciting, right? That, that that it's not the best way to deploy your intellect. And you know the Orioles' rotation right now, it it doesn't feel like a complete disaster since it's being strongly buoyed by the second half surges of Kyle Bradish in particular, and also Grayson Rodriguez after returning from the minors. And the rest is not in a very good place, especially if you look at their season numbers overall. Um, Kyle Gibson at a 4.89 ERA, that's an 85 ERA plus. So again, 15% below league average. Dean Kramer is at a 4.50 ERA. In if you think about recent years, you say, oh, 4.50, you know, that, that's okay, right? But in this year's offensive environment, that's actually 93 ERA plus, a 7% below league average. You know, you had Tyler Wells taking a nosedive before he got demoted to the minors. Uh, his ERA ballooned. 3.80 is not bad, but looking at his fielding independent pitching, which could suggest where um, his performance is headed, that was a 5.15. So, I mean, I, I think these things are problems, right? Not just for the rest of this year or thinking about, oh, who are you going to pitch in what game if you are fortunate enough to get to a best of five or best of seven playoff round. But, you know, also for next year, who can the Orioles count on? Who is worth investing in? Who is worth, um, you know, guaranteeing a spot? And you don't have anybody with a multi-year track record of great quality among the internal options. You just have got some guys like uh, Bradish in particular, I think for now is on a pretty good role going back to the second half of last year. So, okay. Um, I mean, Kramer has had some good times. He's had some bad times. Rodriguez, we can all certainly wish, is going to look like he has over his last six starts or so going forward, living up to the hype that he uh, had as a prospect. I do think that the people who stayed excited about Grayson Rodriguez, even as he struggled, 
are more likely to be proven correct than the people who quickly gave up on him, than the prospect writers who based a month worth of starts late last year when he was coming back from a lat injury to say a bunch of stuff about how uh, he had lost velocity, lost quality of his stuff. Like, I think velocity in particular was shown to be false, even when Rodriguez was struggling at the big league level early this season. And it does seem like it's taken some midseason adjustments for him to get quality of like movement and, you know, getting the command right in the middle of the season. But people gave up on him too soon. He is making them look stupid. And I hope we'll continue to do so. But yeah, who's going to fill out the rest of that rotation? I don't know. I, it, it, you know, eventually the Orioles are going to, I think, have to either spend a lot of money trying to get a quality free agent starting pitcher and, Hopefully they will do well in this than when Dan Duquette was the general manager and their starting pitching moves included the likes of uh, signing Ubaldo Jimenez or signing uh, Giovanni Gallardo or uh, trading for Jeremy Hellickson or Wade Miley or signing Alex Cobb. I mean, I don't want that to happen to the Michael Elias era of the Orioles either. And unfortunately, he has yet to have a smashing success in terms of acquiring a major league starting pitcher or even signing one. So we'll see. I mean, he did get Bradish in the Dylan Bundy trade. That currently looks pretty good. And he stocked up a lot of other pitching prospects in some of the other trades he made that were in the rebuilding time. I mean, even last year when the Orioles showed some quality, he traded away Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez, both of which looked like they were good decisions at AAA now. You've got Chase McDermott, who's doing interesting things in the minors. Cade Povich, who they got for Lopez, could maybe be a, a prospect. But, you know, who can they count on? I don't know. I'm perpetually going to be nervous about the Orioles because that's just how I am. But reality check for all of us, the Orioles are 74 and 46. I guess I just don't know how to handle this. Last year through 120 games, they had a 62 and 58 record. So that's a 12-game improvement. Two years ago, through 120 games, they were 38 and 82. So, you know, a lot has gone right for this team this year in ways that can carry over. Uh, some things are not going right. Austin Hayes has really taken a second half nosedive. He's batting under 200. His on base percentage is just 227 since the All Star break, slugging under 300. Yuck. Anthony Santander is swooning a bit as well with a 180 average since the break, though he is at least walking more than 10% of the time, and he's hitting homers with five home runs since the break. In the bullpen anxiety, well, it's like, is Felix Bautista going to tire out? Can Yenier Cano bounce back from a tough June in July? Which so far in August, actually, he's showing he is, uh, which is good. Is anyone else going to step up? Well, waiver acquisition, Jacob Webb has four scoreless outings to start his Orioles career, so that's a nice start. Does that mean he can get plugged in and be counted on? I don't know, but it's something, I guess. Let's look ahead to tonight. Not a positive. Dean Kramer versus Blake Snell is a big mismatch. The Orioles, however, have played many games like that this season and have won a lot of them for reasons we cannot even totally explain. And, you know, again, thinking about second-half splits, Dean Kramer, by the way, he has been better since the break with a 3.71 ERA across his six starts since the All-Star break. And... You know, we need that Dean to stay 
the Padres, of course, they are a team with problems. I think as the Orioles won on Monday night, we saw some of those problems when commentators have remarked at times the Padres almost seem bored and disinterested. I feel like you could see that on Monday. But they don't lack for dangerous hitters, and they don't lack for patient hitters. Uh, Even though Juan Soto having over 100 walks is a big part of the reason why the Padres have the second most walks in the National League, it's not the only reason. They've They've got a lot of great players, and the Orioles have a great team so far this year. So we'll see if the great team can beat the team with great individual players. Uh, two out of three on the road for the Orioles. I certainly hope they can. Of course, they will go on after that to Oakland, a much worse team, and we will be having even higher expectations. But whatever happens tonight, the Orioles haven't been swept streak for the duration of Adley Rutschman's career. Plus one series is still alive, and that's pretty cool at least. That's all that I've got for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a rating or review and tell an Orioles fan in your life about the show. New episodes will be out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings. I will be back with you on Friday at the usual time. The episode will post at midnight instead of this mid-morning release. In between now and then, you can leave a comment on camdenchat.com. You will find me there in the comments under the name Eat More SK. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.